Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. So in the uh, realm of things, we uh, got a comment from uh, faithful listener Yepix. Uh, he was two ninety nine. <laughs> he was concerned that we were not taking on, and this is, I believe, the way he put it, girthy enough topics. Girthy. Um, exactly. Uh, so I, you know, challenge accepted. I asked him to send me a topic and that I would research it and that you, Sean, and I would, would discuss it um, and give our opinions. Uh, he gave me two. The first one, I honestly looked at the article that he sent me and didn't think that there was enough for an entire show. And just to very briefly summarize, it was the idea that there are a good many climate activists out there that are being murdered, supposedly by the people making money off of destroying the world. And I, I didn't know how long you and I could look at each other and say, yeah, we saw that coming. So uh, the other topic he gave me, I originally looked at and went, Okay, this is not really going to be all that interesting, but I I was wrong, and they're going to find out that I was wrong a lot with this one. Um, what he gave me was the the article on the latest World Happiness Report. Now I did not know what the World Happiness Report was. Apparently, this is something uh, that is. Uh, through different universities and scholars and through Gallup poll and a bunch of other things has come up with a metric for happiness throughout the world and discusses where happiness is, where, where in the world people are happy and where they're not. And uh, no surprising that this one for this past year has been almost purely, totally and utterly on COVID. Uh, so knowing that we've discussed COVID and we will go through that in this conversation, this is going to be a two part conversation. The part that I went to as I, as I went for looking at the past several years and overwhelmingly the happiest place in the entire world have been, has been the Nordic countries, whether that be Finland, Denmark, Norway, Iceland, um, Sweden, that general area is apparently the happiest part of the entire world. I, and I'll admit through my cynicism and belief that I knew everything, thought I knew why, and that was obviously had everything to do with um, the fact that it snows all the time up there and people just sit around in front of the fire with uh, really beautiful blonde people and do naughty things. That was my assumption as to why everybody was happy. And I was wrong. So we came up with several things, came up with several reasons as to why people in the Nordic areas were as comfortable and happy with life as they were. And I figured we'd kind of go down that because a lot of people have pointed towards that area of the world and says, see, we could do that. And when you have a lot of people talking about how socialism works, they're talking about that part of the world, which is very socialistic. Um, 
And as much as I think Yepix may have wanted me to look at this and see and see the point of socialism, I became more and more convinced the more and more I read that none of this stuff is going to work here. And it's because of historical and cultural differences between the two areas. So let's start off with the first reason why the uh, Nordic countries are much happier. And that is because they have a much, much better work life balance. Thoughts on that one? Uh, well, uh, I do know that their social norms, uh, as far as work go, are a little bit different than they, than we have here. Uh, and by a little, I mean by degrees of magnitude. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, and, and I do know that they have a lot more time off and they have at least some of the socialized, or uh, some of the, uh, uh, Nordic countries have socialized medicine. Um, but I, I, as far as like research into how, how their work life stuff goes, no, I have no idea. Well, they, they do have a much better work life balance, but the thing is, is the interesting part about it is not necessarily the fact that that exists, but the fact that of how they accomplish it, because the average, uh, person living in those areas is not any more, any more or less productive than, anywhere else in the world it's a difference in attitude and it's not even the attitude of uh, and, and once again goes into why i don't think this would work here here we have a poor work-life balance and people look at their employers and go why are you making me work so hard dude uh whereas their response to if you have a poor work-life balance is why can't you get your work done in enough time uh this is true you know, so it, it kind of comes into a much, much different approach to the idea, and it's uh, more of a let's fix the problem, not the blame. Here in the U.S., we want to look at, you know, employers and say, you're dicks, whereas in, in the Nordic area, what it tends to be is if you can't get your work done by five o'clock, why not? Is it because you've been given too much work? Is it because the company needs to hire more employees to get the work done? Or, and here's the part that we don't seem to want to approach in the U.S., is it because you're a lazy bastard? Mm, yeah, well, there, there's those things. And and by Nordic, let me just be clear, you are talking about like Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, right? Norway, Sweden, Denmark, uh, and uh, Finland, and Iceland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Um, well, and, and to be fair, our work culture is a hell of a lot different than many other countries, uh, out there, um, mostly because America used to be, or at least our idealism was a meritocracy. Uh, that is not the case anymore. It's not even our ideal <laughs> anymore. We pay mild lip service to it and then blow right past it for corruption and greed. So, um, like blatant naked corruption and greed. So the the even the 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 ghost or the the specter of a meritocracy is no longer uh, available in the United States. So in, in in fact, even the suggestion of a meritocracy is considered to be. Uh, and here's the part where I find it funny unfair. <laughs> Isn't that neat? Um, 
and, and, and I'm not even, and, and I know I keep using the saying that I'm not being hyperbolic lately. Um, I'm not. This is not an opinion. This is a direct quote from articles that you can find that people are writing talking about how a meritocracy is unfair. D- direct statement, not a paraphrase or anything of that nature. Yeah, it is. Uh, and in fact, if we instituted, it would be completely unfair. Uh, if we instituted a meritocracy, the people who because for for anyone who wants to know what I mean by that, what I go by is like the dictionary definition of a meritocracy. It's it's people in power or uh, of influence or or people with um, um, influential jobs or, or services or whatever are selected on the basis of their ability, not on who they know. Not on uh, how much they paid or, or as a favor or nepotism or anything like that. They are based solely on their experience and their ability. That is what I'm talking about when I mean a meritocracy. And I think it, it and I'm talking about from government to corporations to businesses, whatever. That is the to me, that's an idea. OK, I'll bring my A game. You bring yours. And whoever finishes first finishes first. That's that's what I would consider about as level playing field as you can get. And it is absolutely unfair to people who, who A, have no skills, B, uh, are depending on nepotism and corruption to get into the places of influence that they are now. The entirety of Washington, D.C. would be shut down <laughs> if we were to institute the meritocracy program how, today. How, how unfair for them. Yeah, I, I mean, our entire elite and and ruling class would basically be out of a job forever if we were to start running on qualifications and meritocracy. And that's that's kind of my point for a lot of this stuff. But continue on, sir. <laughs> well, th- th- that's work life balance. The other part about it is, is that these are some of the safest places in the world to be. Uh, safe how define safe 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 as in you know how every once in a while you go through certain cities and you see somebody strap their dog to a light post before they go into the coffee shop and you think how horrible that person is because somebody could take that dog Mm -hmm. the people in these nordic countries have no hesitation to leave their baby in a stroller and be outside from the coffee shop and be convinced that that baby is still going to be there when they come back it's literally that safe so it's like japan I, I, I guess. I actually, I, I don't know a whole lot about, I, I've never not been to Japan or don't know a whole lot about how they are safety-wise. I mean, I, I, I know that I am uh, woefully uninformed and ignorant when it comes to that, but I think I would be worried that some Yakuza is going to jump out of the out of the cameras and, and run away and steal the baby and have them trained as a ninja later on in life. <laughs> well, let me just put it this way. Uh, Japan in total crime is ranked sixth in the world. Let's see here um, what uh, the United States is ranked. Um, the United States is ranked. Uh, do, 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 oh wow! Um, boy, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people between it. us and the top. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see here. Which is the safest country in the world? Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, the five safest countries in the world. All right. Austria, number one. Canada, number two. Wow. Canada. Go Canada. Denmark, number three. Yep. Iceland, number four. Uh, yep. Finland, number five. Uh, yep. Japan, number six. 
New Zealand, number seven. Portugal, Singapore, rounding out the top ten, Switzerland, Taiwan. Um, that's that's pretty dang good. Uh, round out of the country world for expats. That's not one. I don't care about that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean Denmark marked number one. Um, for uh, expats, you know, but but just as the the top of main safety organs or uh, uh, things, um, Austria looks like yeah. So like, but I mean, in, that, in, in, in the, the top that... five, you're looking at one, two, three Nordic countries. Exactly. <laughs> so part of that level of happiness goes in the sheer fact of safety. You know, you you know you can walk down the street and you're it's unlikely that you're going to get mugged. Yeah. Whereas, well, you know, you know, most of the cities here, I, I'm sure that there is a little bit of exaggeration coming from the media. Who'd have thought? Uh, but no. But if you listen to the media, if you walk in just about any major city in the U.S., that you've got about at least a 70 percent chance of being shot. OK. Yeah. I had to look it up the, the other way <laughs> to see the most violent and most dangerous countries in the world. Uh, we appear on that list prominently. <laughs> Um, now for, um, let's, let's just take it as a, as a whole, like violent crime murder rate. Let's just go, just jump right into it and say homicide rate. Um, number one country in the world, Brazil, of course. Um, India, Mexico, Ethiopia, Indonesia, Nigeria, you're starting to get the picture here. South uh-huh. Africa, Colombia, ninth is Russia, 10th, Pakistan. Uh, Congo, uh, China, Venezuela, and sitting at number 14, USA. Um, you have to go to find a freaking Nordic country. Uh, top of the other list. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm at 136, 142. Oh, here's one Switzerland. Does Switzerland count? No. Okay. Uh, Denmark, Denmark count. Yes. 148th <laughs> out of 180 countries. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, only countries that don't really have, like Maldives, you know, like they have like 10,000 people. Like, who cares? Um, you know, well, Monaco. Yeah, but, you know, if you, if, and, and in a country like that, one murder basically just kills the bell curve. Yeah, exactly. You know, like uh, uh, Monaco and Paolo uh, have none because they don't have enough. People. Iceland has one in their 194th. So I mean, you're talking, you're you're talking like ridiculous amounts of of safety. However, they also don't have a lot of people. They do not have the population problem we we or the population density that we do either. Well, the population is actually going to kind of go into the next statement as to why they are happy. And it's one that's not actually going to be all that of a popular statement, but it's it really did come down to it a lot. And that's a fact of it's an extremely homogeneous population. Yeah. So what that base what that means is, and I was going to be a dick about it and say because they're all white, and it's actually really not really comes to that because you can get the same homogeneous nature out of uh, you know countries in Africa where you still once again don't have the problem that I'm going to say that we have here in the U.S., which is you know racial unrest. 
And well, it's not and, the fact that they are one race or the other. It's the fact that they are very, very, very much all a single race. And it even goes a little bit of a step further is that they're not all that friendly to outsiders. And I don't mean tourists. They love tourists. Their tax system is primarily consumption-based versus income-based, so they love tourists. Yeah, they come come in, spend your money, and go home. Yeah, but but if you actually try to move there, it's notorious oh, that because like when they were going through their different studies and surveys, uh, if you actually split up the country between people who were born there and people who moved there, the actual graph goes the opposite direction, because people who move there don't find them very friendly at all because they don't want them there. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not friendly. And honestly, there's a lot of Asian countries that are like that too. Japan is actually, um, pretty hostile toward, I mean, in Japan's way, pretty hostile towards, uh, people who migrate there. You can visit. They love, uh, Western tourists. Well, once again, if you stay there, you're going to stick the Yakuza on you and turn your children into ninjas. <laughs> I'm going to sick the Yakuza on you. <laughs> what you will have is, is uh, if you've ever been to Japan, what you will have is a large, large, large culture shock because it's a very different. I mean, there you take a lot of stuff for granted here in, in Western cultures that just simply aren't true in some of the Asian ones. And Japan is one of the most restrictive socially as, as any other and they're actually really difficult to get along with or, or express yourself in because they don't actually value expression, self-expression in Japan. Uh, well, they, they value team and the group. And that may actually be why Japan is farther down the list on happiness. But at the same time, what you're running, what you're not running into in the Nordic countries is you're not running into unrest due to, well, I, actually, I was going to go through the list, but I'll make it very simple. You're not really going through any unrest due to any sort of prejudice whatsoever, whether it be sexuality, uh, race, socioeconomic, and we'll get into that one in just a moment, too. But there's no stress, revolt, worry any of that with regards to differences in people in that fashion here as well um, especially in this country and this is one of the few uh, i'm not saying there aren't any others like this but but the united states is unique in the fact that 99 point whatever it is percent of the people who live in this country today and we're not going to talk about cultural atrocities or, or uh, you know, indigenous populations or anything like that. But 99% of the people who live here today came from somewhere else. And because of the United States' uh, immigration popularity and policy for many, many years, uh, we got a little bit of everybody here. Um, in fact, I mean, just take on this cast. Your family is of Jewish descent. Mine is Irish, Irish Catholic. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, we, we've got a, a rather interesting combination in this family. If you just talk about me, I my father's side of the family is Eastern European Jews. My mother's side of the family is pure Alabama redneck. Yeah, my um, 
my family tree is for my one of my wife's hobbies. She belongs to the Heritage Society here. She's belongs to a whole bunch of stuff. She does genealogy as a as a part time hobby and and uh, a side business really. Um, she's fantastic at it. I think a lot of her uh, police and investigative training does her well and does her credit in that particular aspect. However, um. It was immediately apparent to the most casual observers that my ancestors' relatives on both sides of the family would have sex with anything that moved. Um, I have I have genetics from every continent except Antarctica. You do realize why I'm finding that funny. Uh, yeah, well, don't fall far from the tree. Um. I mean, it, it explains a lot about uh, my particular um, uh, views on sexuality. Yeah, proclivities and sexualities. But I mean, it's I mean, I've got uh, Native American in my background. I've got uh, Irish Catholic. I've got uh, French. I've got German. I've got uh, Brazilian. I've got like all these things. And you're like, where the hell did that come from? I'm like, oh, little shot of mocha. Look at that. Here it is right down there. And uh, we've got uh, everything from African railroad builders to, to I mean, just anything. Anything is in my and, – and that's the thing. Like once you got to America – it, it, it was really – and a lot of people say melting pot. I I really prefer the mixing bowl thing because we keep our heritages with us, and we're one of the only countries that do that. Go to any other country. The Irish will tell you we're Irish. We're proud. You know, the English, same thing. Germans, same thing. Uh, you know, uh, Thailand, same thing. We're Thai. Well, but, uh, but, Americans but even- say – we're Irish American. We're Jewish American. We're all those. We always there's always a modifier. And even if you look at, for example, let, let's take for example the British Isles, um, they actually could go through that if they wanted to. Uh, and it's and it's one of those things I find interesting that you know we tend to get all up in arms here about land that's been conquered and people getting upset that their land was taken and whose land it was first. Look at look at Britain. You don't see them getting upset at the you know you don't see the people in Wales, the British, getting upset at the people in England who are actually not even totally English anymore. They're Normans, who are Vikings. Uh, or really, have you heard Scotland recently? I mean, they tried to to bail out a couple of a couple of years well, ago. Always tried to bail out, but that's a different and, story because those are, because it, because but even then you go back to the fact of they're Anglo-Saxon versus British. Yeah. So, so you you have this. So basically, even then, if they're trying to bail out, that's kind of like saying that Texas is trying to bail out while the Native Americans are still over somewhere, kind of going, "Dude, you know that was ours first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think you covered that a couple of casts ago. There's no place basically on Earth that wasn't somebody else's first uh, at this point, and you know, but at the same time. You can look at, uh, and I can't remember who did it, but there was a, a genetic study uh, over in, I think it was Ireland. It might have been Wales or something like that, was or maybe the one Scotland. They found out how funny it was that how many people in like Wales that were actually uh, uh, descended from Genghis Khan or something like that. No, it was uh, how many people from from that little town, hamlet, whatever it was, um, in the Highlands. Had been there as far as because they found genetics in a cave from this uh, uh, 
person who was over 10,000 years old. And the family genetics could still be traced to that valley. The, the people just never left. They've settled in that valley and they stayed in that valley. And they're just, or that hill or, you know, that mountain or whatever. They're just still there. They never left. Those people never migrated. We, they never left. They never integrated with anybody. Long enough. You know, it's 10,000 years from now, they're going to be looking at a hill in West Virginia and saying the same thing. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, like, OK, cool. Um, but I, you know, America just doesn't have the tradition that a lot of the older countries do. And they're not cemented because we're 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 just churning. You know, it's it's just like welcome to the churn, you know, and it just it just rolls around. We're we're a fast changing country and we always have been. We're this mix where everybody tries to tries to to get along and tries to be and, well, and incorporate all these different cultures and it's sometimes really it where the kind of the study was going is is the fact that we're no longer trying to get along well and that's and that's the thing when when you and i were kids when gen x was a child what were you taught in school everybody was equal Everybody was equal. Now, I would this I was will, the... I will buy the fact that, you know, that I was being told everybody was equal when I was in a high school that cost more than my first year of college. But that's just to so that we're admitting to biases here, but that's that's what I was taught. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, you know, and I'm ta- I'm not even talking high school, I'm talking elementary school, you know, like okay, where did we come from? Who are we? You know, who are you? <laughs> Who are you and what is your daddy and what does he do? You know, um, but <laughs> there's there's a, 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 I guess a, an overall kind of narrative when you were a kid in the 70s and 80s that you know America is a, is what what do they always call it? They always use the the three words: land of opportunity, right? And we're a melting pot. We're not. We're kind of a mixing bowl. Well, but even then, we're, you, you use the the term colorblind. Right. And and you you should embrace your fellow man. And and the one thing that unites us is we're all Americans. And and you should be able to share and and distribute ideas with somebody who doesn't agree with you. That's why we had things like de- like classes like debate in high school. That's why we had. Um, history so that we can learn the the culture in which we came from uh, so that we would better understand our fellow man. That was the idea. That's not what happened. And, uh, <laughs> and largely the the message got lost in time. I truly believe that. I truly think that somewhere between Gen X and millennials. I think that's when it happened. And everybody laughs at me when I say that. I'm like, look, the boomers fucked up. All right. And and I, I that's not a popular statement either, you know, because boomers are like, oh, we do the best we can. It's like, mm, did you, though? You know, like, but but Gen X was the last generation that brought up truly hearing that this that we are all the same and we are all Americans because as soon as the millennials came through that narrative changed and it hasn't changed back. So what are they supposed to think? You know, it doesn't surprise me that a, a homogeneous 
country like Denmark or, or Norway or Sweden or something like that all have, you know, they're all pointing in the same direction. And America can't even decide what directions are, much less point in one direction with somebody else you know we argue over the term directions you know you know if you point up and say we're going up you're going to have somebody who basically says what do you mean by that yeah you know that's deeply offensive to me like it doesn't matter what (laughs) you do uh we've we've we're so angry and we're not allowed to point at the actual reasons why that we fight here's here's a good example i'm going to use an analogy and you'll have to forgive it and those of you who have a happy family life i'm sorry i'm going to use this but i'm going to do it anyway if you've ever been in a relationship that was bad let's say high school maybe a marriage maybe you know just anything you know in college whatever you've ever been in a relationship that's bad and you can't it's making you crazy and it just it, and you can't address the problem or you don't want to what does it do it bleeds out into every other area right it just it just bleeds into everything you just become pissed about anything and because you can't talk about what's actually bothering you 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 overreact to everything else and that's largely what's happening to us today i think and this is just a personal opinion but i see it it's this transference of anger, and it's seeping into and, and, and coming out of us in areas that that it's, it's we're not actually really – we shouldn't be angry about that. We should be really angry about the root cause of the problem, but we can't talk about that because it's a conspiracy or the media doesn't want us to and the elites sure as – our ruling class sure as hell doesn't want us to. Well, because all of those that you just listed are trying to create narratives that point the blame somewhere else. Well, they point it back at us. It's our fault. Of course. It's an abusive relationship. (laughs) It really is. Are you suggesting that the the government is gaslighting the United States? I am not suggesting it. I'm telling you flat out it's happening. Um, Do you know who Chris Titus is? Uh, Name sounds familiar, but I'm not uh, recollecting at the moment. He's a he's a comedian, big tall blonde guy, uh, very Nordic looking. You'd like him, um, <laughs> but uh, he uh, he's a comedian. He had a a just a hell of a an upbringing, and and uh, it, it was it was very difficult for him. But he has a special called Love Is Evil, and um, one of the things he talks about is he was in an abusive relationship with a woman for several years, and she would gaslight him. And he talks about how this, how she, like, she beat him one time, just hit him, and and she's like, and you know, like hit him with a phone or so, like like an old school phone, just beat him in the head with a phone, and he's like, I can't believe you hit me with a phone. She's like, I hit you with a phone. What did you make me do? You know, what what did you do that made me hit you with a phone? I'm not hitting everyone with a phone. I'm just hitting you. So what did you do? And he's like, Oh my God, it's my fault. You know, like she just walked his ass around and made it his fault. That's exactly what I'm seeing happen to the American people right now, because anytime we get behind a good point, like, wow, the media is blatantly lying to us. Our ruling class is quite literally taking away freedoms, but telling us they're giving us freedoms and then taxing us for them and 
going after other freedoms. What the hell? And the government goes, no, 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 that's wrong thinking, <laughs> right? And they use the media to back them up. So where's it's George an, Orwell when you need him? I mean, it's an abusive relation, and we just keep coming back for it. And that's the part well, that, that, that gets they, me that crazy. Kind of goes into the thing is, is where else are we going to go? Yeah, I mean, uh, case in point, and, I, and I'll shut up about it and let you get on with your your no, points no, no, here. No, but actually, it's an interesting question because I, I I I agree with you, but the answer is, is is what is the answer? Where do we go? You know, the people who you know do we elect different people for uh, um, for office? Well, unfortunately, the ones that are running are syphilis and herpes, not you know. Uh, anybody that you'd actually want to vote for yeah it's like syphilis herpes and like fucking freedom is not running right <laughs> that's just like freedom the, rock this, man yeah the, the is that freedom rock man turn it up yeah and, um, and, and if you're uh under the age of 40 you have no clue you have what that was, no right? idea what we've just been quoting uh but uh, yeah we used to watch what's called we were forced to watch commercials you don't have to do that now uh, unless you have the bad subscription to Hulu, that's you don't have to do that anymore. Anyway, um, it's like YouTube commercials, okay? Only they were forced on us on every channel. <laughs> anyway, uh, where was I going? Oh yeah, um, I, I the the problem or one of the problems I see is that if you look at how the United States has been voting basically since the eighties or maybe late nineties, you will see that we are increasingly like it. You don't see these dynasties, you know, like these, these Republican or Democrat dynasties that you did back in the day. Um, we're flip-flopping between them now, you know, like, all right, let's try the Republicans. Wow. That was a horrible idea. Let's try the Democrats. Wow. That was a horrible idea. Let's try the Republicans again. Nope. You know, and we'll, we'll bounce back and forth. And it's because there's no other choice. There's no other choice. And we can't, I mean, that's uh, honestly, and this is going to be a wildly unpopular opinion with almost everybody. Um, it's sort of like Fallout. Everyone hated that. Um, there's <laughs> there's uh, that's how Trump got elected. You know, they looked at it and said, well, at least he's not a politician. Let's try this and see if this guy can do anything. Well, the the other thing is, is and it's once again, not exactly a popular opinion or a popular way to look at it. But you look at everybody else who ran at that point in time. And the, the, the way I put it is, is that they all of those people were so incredibly unlikable that he won. Yeah. And, and, how, and so and even then that goes back to how unlikable do you have to be for that to be the case? And that's how unlikable these people were. And. Our our system has has progressed to the point where it is so corrupt and to be in the running, you have to do such shady crap that by the time it doesn't matter what kind of Boy Scout or Girl Scout you were when you started, by the time you get in position, you've had to trade away your soul to get there. And you're now, again, part of the problem. Well, well I mean, let... And it, but it, and it's geez I, I I I'm so disgusted I just lost my train of thought. Um, but even then on the same train of thought we we doubled down this past this last time we we 
started out with everybody oh, else was sure. so unlikable that we managed to elect Trump. Now, every, now Trump was so unlikable that we managed to elect a senile old man. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh... so w- w- what's next? A corpse? <laughs> <laughs> no, they get stuff done. No, uh, you you elect a zombie. They they zombies get stuff done. They have a direction. All right. Uh, no, I I honestly think uh, brain futures up again for the thirteenth quarter in a row. Uh, no, I I think education is big because we have to feed the zombies. Uh, no, I I I just don't. Our system is so fundamentally broken right now, and this is what they're comparing against. Like, and this is I, again to circle back around to your point. I think this is why, um, like millennials and Gen Z and and uh, uh, you know, even in in some cases, Gen Alpha, um, look at uh the the current system they have and realize not only are they screwed, and they are, but that the system we currently have has no ability or willingness to help them. So what do they do? They look at other systems and go, well, crap, we need to do something about this because our, you know, this one's broken. Well, and that kind of goes into the final point of all of this. The final thing that actually goes on when these in the Nordic countries that uh, we here in the U.S. are, as you just said, pointing to going, why can't we do that? And I think it's actually when you break it down as to how it works and why, and then even look at a couple of historical norm, norms, it becomes a, incredibly clear why, it, it is, as, as interesting of an idea as it is, it won't work here. Um, and that's the fact that these countries have an extraordinarily functional and well-working social services system. And we have uh, a garbage fire for it, a exactly, but the it, system, yeah. But really, what it comes down to is is, and I've listened to it. I've I've listened to it before without actually honestly taking the time, and I've suffered from my own ignorance. Um, and I think I came to the right opinion through ignorance accidentally. But now that I've looked at it, <laughs> I, I think I was right. I was just right for the wrong reason. So he, he, here it goes. They have probably the best socialist system ever. It comes to, comes to it from a very, very high standard of living and continues with a very, very high standard of living. The tax system is not... It, there, there is income tax. It's primarily a consumption tax versus an income tax. And the services that they receive from the government are extraordinarily good. So what you have there is a mentality that is so much different than what we have here that it functions because the mentality that they have when they're paying their taxes is not the fact that they're being taxed, but they are actually paying for a services rendered. Okay, they're they're not paying health insurance. They're paying high levels of taxes to get very, very good functional health coverage. Um, They're getting, uh, you know, assistance from the government, but it's not a I I am I am I am, am entitled to this. It's I've paid for this. 
Well, and also because of, and I know this happened, I, I don't know if it happened in every country or every Nordic or uh, Icelandic country. However, I know that it happened in Iceland. Uh, in 2008, following the, uh, the, 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 the big uh, bank crisis and, and financial crisis and all that kind of thing, the entirety of the Icelandic banking system went tits up like all of it the government it wasn't a, a case of oh they're too big to fail no they just tanked the entire country's financial system went into bankruptcy and said eh, okay that's just uh that's that's how it is now redistribute it because they actually couldn't afford <laughs> their social welfare program and to keep the banks running so what they do? They just tanked their entire economy and rebuilt it. But but once again, the the, the banks tanked, but people were still fed and taken care of, and it wasn't. Yeah. The, and and once again, it's a it's a difference in cultural mentality. You do that here, and what you get is an armed revolution. Well, but but it's also looked at differently here. We we're, we've gone into the whole fact of uh you know the fact that it's something that they feel like they've paid for and therefore have earned it's not that here here it's basically you have, have you, and i don't so they should take from you and take care of me have you talked to millennials no, no and maybe not that's maybe not fair have you talked to young millennials they think they've earned absolutely everything so oh, absolutely <laughs> Elder millennials, well, no, I'm going to give elder but, millennials. But see, it's actually, pass, it's actually but... not the fact that they've earned it; it's the fact that they're entitled to it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's and that's even what we refer to these programs here is entitlement. Entitlement programs, yeah. Uh, and that's why it won't work here. You'd have to actually have a completely cultural, um, just revolution and change, which isn't going to happen at least within the next two or three generations. Well, and I've I've said this, and, and it's also again, this is the unpopular opinion podcast. Um, I I truly think that to make any kind of meaningful change in our country, an entire generation has to die before we can change our mind. And I I just don't see us radically changing like that, and let at least peacefully, without um, the ruling class becoming inert well and even then to take a step back and look at this we've talked about it socially let's look at it historically as well uh you look at how they came about this in the in the nordic countries and once again it was a it was more of a concept of investment i know we try to talk about taxes as being investments here but they were investing in their country and getting something back for it we don't get back here we give into it and they give it to somebody else um if you look at where we are wanting to try socialism we are not in the same historical place that these nordic countries were before they tried socialism and made it work we are in the same place that the soviet union was when it was arguing between the bolsheviks and the romanovs Well, I, I and, and part of the uh, and I think you're right, part of its culture and, and we're not built for it. Well, I, I, I will say that I went into this going, you know, socialism doesn't work. And even looking at going, well, they can't be doing real socialism in these countries if it works. And they're kind of not. 
Well, actually, okay. to be perfectly but, honest, they, they very much are. Most of these things well, are... Well, their health care is. Their health care is socialized, and the social um, assistance programs that they get and the amount of regulation that goes on to the different companies that work. I mean, it's not like uh, communist China where it's really rare for you to own something. It, whereas it is very much that everything is very, very highly regulated. And a lot of it comes down to government control. And But it, once again, it's something – they're looking at their government as something that they have paid for to work for them. And the government is actually responding in that fashion, like they are somebody who is paid to work for the people there. It, 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 you're not running into the same cultural and historical norms that we're seeing throughout most of the rest of the world, which is the moment you, you – hell, you've read Animal Farm – you know, yeah. whereas the people in charge become pigs. And look, the, I can tell you that the United States um, ruling class, which is really what it's become, you know, you're when you have dynasties that just rule the Senate and the House and they, they pick their own people and their their children and their, you know, uh, son-in-laws and, and whatever uh, wind up being in the Senate just like they were and all that, all that kind of thing. When that happens, that's a dynasty. That's a ruling class. Okay. That's a class of, no, that's a very unpopular opinion. And, and I know I'm going to have to defend that and I can. However, um, when that starts happening here in a quote unquote free election system, our government hasn't been working for the people in quite some time. Now, some will argue that it's never actually worked for the people. Um, I don't necessarily think that's true. However, um, I can point to points in time where the government has really fixed it. I can also think of the times right before that where they broke it. You know, um, the sodbusters comes to mind where they broke it. They're just like, yeah, just plan all the stuff. We need the shit for the war effort. And then just went, Oh wow. We really broke the country. Let's uh, crap. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that has to go into all that consideration. But the, one of the biggest things that I think, and I say kids, they're not kids. It's millennial. Millennials are 40 years old now or close closing in on it. Um, at least the elder ones, uh, the the millennials and, and Gen X and, and behind them, what they're going to have to deal with is the rhetoric that has always been said about the United States and the reality that they're currently living in are not even fundamentally the same. They're, it's not even the same system or the same schema. It's just a lie. And they're having to cope with this without having any of the tools available to them to to really affect change. So what do you do when that happens? It starts coming out in weird ass ways, right? Uh, because your your system of control is being systematically burned down so that you can't get anywhere specifically so that you can't mount this type of united defense against injustice and corruption that you would like to do as a generation is all of those tools are being taken from you but but even then you, we, we go back to language and definitions the definitions of what injustice and corruption are, are changing you know i i don't think there's there's um god and i cannot remember where the where i heard it but there's 
this, there's a scientific principle of objective truth. And the cool thing about objective truth is it's, it's true no matter who's, you know, it's true no matter how you dice it up, right? No matter how you choose to look at it, it is true. There's also subjective truths that are true from your point of view. And I think the two, the, the reason that we're, having so much part part of the reason we're having so much problem is because the ruling class and the media have done such an excellent job at removing the possibility of examining objective truth from any discussion because what you do when you get behind objective truths is go this is true here's why it's true here's the decisions we're going to make off of that platform well, and that's how you unite people to to make change. And unfortunately, we're at a point in time in which, you know, you've got people arguing over whether or not two plus two equals five or three. Yeah, no, they've and that's that's what I'm saying. That's exactly to my point. They have hijacked the the uh, common thinking and divided us so much so that we can't get together because if. And this is and I, I say this to everyone and, and nobody ever pays attention. But if if there was a subject or if there was a, a something that the American people 100 percent got behind and pushed, there's not a damn thing the government could do to stop us. Well, but nothing. But, but even in there in there's historical fact behind that, the American people got behind and pushed World War Two. And, yeah. you know, it's as much as war in and of itself is not exactly the example that we may want to use. It is an example of if you actually manage to get this country as industrious as it is around an idea and get everybody on board for it, it works. Yeah, it will happen. Um, legalizing gay marriage was another one of those. This is stupid. We should fix it. And we did. Um there's no whether everyone agrees and, and this is the part that I think uh, gets conflated, right? Just because it's not unanimous, like everybody in the country doesn't believe that gay marriage is should be a, a protected right. That's that I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the rules and and the the uh, uh, I guess the the declaration or the the written law is gay marriage is legal. Now, we pushed for that, even though it was wildly popular amongst the citizenry, it was not wildly popular amongst the elite class because the elite class was very conservative as a group. No matter what the Democrats will tell you, there's still, you know, and it was largely a religious thing, and we won't get into a holy war right now, but that was one of the things that the American people went, you know what, this is freaking stupid. Let's fix it. So I spent an entire, the, the entirely of the morning watching a documentary on the Crusades. The moment you said that, all of a sudden, what popped in my head was, God wills it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I am one of those people who truly believes that a lot more evil was done in the name of a deity than, than good. But, but that's just me. Right. And, and I realize that that's not a popular opinion. However, uh, there's there's a lot that 
like it is my personal belief that the the government and powers that be in this country are desperately trying to remove and remove the thinking that there's anything that you can do to fix the situation other than let the government handle it they desperately want the citizenry to believe they are powerless and, and they're doing a good job of it right and, now. And that kind of comes goes into where my conclusion to this was when I was looking at it is is I had to admit when I was reading this that that means that this means that it is possible for socialism to work. I I can't sit there and look at people and say it can't work anymore. What I can say is is that we're not on that trajectory. No, we have we have too many quote unquote guaranteed rights. Um for socialism to work, uh, that, that we, we consider a, a right. Um, socialism, generally speaking, is about, you know, sharing in the common good and, and, um, participation. We're not big on participation here. It's not, <laughs> unless it's bitching. We're not well, big on, you know, let's take the hit so that our children or that, you know, society in general, uh, comes out better. Yeah, but most, uh, of, most of us are descended from people who basically looked at wherever they were and said, fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, like we, to, to quote uh, uh, Stripes, you know, we were kicked out of every respectable country in the world, okay? <laughs> That's where our relatives come from. And, like then, every... and then even then, when some of them got here, they looked around at the organizations that were here and went, you know, just do just give me a wagon, put my kids in it and a couple of horses. And I'm just going till I can find some spot where I can sit up and everybody just leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> this East Coast crap is too confining. I'm going to go in the middle of nowhere. Thank you. Uh, just I got to go. Um, it, it's <laughs> we might die. It's got to be better than this. It's better than here. <laughs> right. Like, we've been kicked out of every respectable country in the world, and we're just sort of proud of that. And I'm fine with that particular aspect of it, okay? It's it's kind of a mark of honor in this country. Yeah, we suck. We own it, you know? But what's what we've lost, uh, at least to me, what we've lost is the ability to make our our voices heard as as a as a people. But give me an example. Well, okay, well, but, I, but that actually goes to a question for me. Have we lost the ability to make our voices heard, or have we lost the desire to hear what anybody else has to say? Effectively, there is no difference. Okay. Effectively, there is no difference. Because if if you can't make your voice heard, that means nobody's listening, right? Um, it's the same thing. Everybody's shouting so loud and so hard that you're not actually listening to any other. There's no discourse. There's no, there's no talking. There's no agreement and disagreement and, and, and compromise or, or, Hey, let's figure this out. You know, I, there isn't any of that. They don't want to figure it out. They want to be right. And they want you to be wrong. And that's more important. Who's wrong in this country is more important than getting it right. And I, or, or it's even, or even the, the getting the appearance of getting it right is a whole lot more important than what actually works. Um, I'm going to make another bad analogy. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever seen Moneyball, Moneyball is one of my favorite sports oh, movies. It's a uh, great movie. 
Moneyball and Draft Day and some of the other. But Moneyball is great because I had a meeting like that with uh, where where um, uh, Homeboy's talking to Brad Pitt and he's like, "Look, uh, using our system, I think there's a team that we can afford." Like I had a meeting like that and it led to the job I'm in now, or where I'm I'm better off and uh, than I was in the coding room that they found me in. However. Uh, one of my favorite things about that movie is that there's a lot of true, <laughs> true thinking, and it's it was and it's a true-ish story uh, about how the Oakland A's were trying to use mathematics and economics to change their well, situation. Even take it a step further, they were trying to use objective truths. Right, and he's like, look, you know, at the at the start of the movie, there's this fantastic scene, and they said, look. What's what's the problem we're trying to solve? You know, the problem we're trying to solve is there are rich teams and there are poor teams, and then there's fifty feet of crap, and then there's us. It's an unfair game. <laughs> so what you're saying is is that there are happy countries and then there are unhappy countries, then there's fifty feet miles of crap and there's us. <laughs> and then there's us, right? Like we're we're not there. And 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 here's the part, you know, where you were talking about earlier. Where, you know, you, you can't be heard. People, people in this country are, they don't want to win. They want to, they, they, they just hate losing, right? They, they hate losing more than they want to win. They don't want to lose. They don't want to look bad. They don't want to be seen as, as losing out. So, so what do they do? They just, they, they go on the attack. Always, 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 they're attacking, they're offending, they're a victim, they're they're whatever it is to get you to be the loser because they don't want to lose. They don't care if they win. They don't want to lose, and it's it, it's just killing the ability to to th- like I I live in a what I would consider a very normal neighborhood, a very normal suburban neighborhood. There are white collar people there are blue collar people there are people of every color and ethnicity in in my little subdivision my little slice of texas here and we all have different jobs and we're all very civil i live next to democrats and republicans and hardcore of both and independents like myself and and all kinds of other things and you know what we all get along fine we can have political discussions with somebody like I can walk across the street to my neighbor and have a political discussion. And I know damn well that man believes that diametrically opposed to what I am politically. And we have a nice conversation. People can have a good conversation. Governments don't seem to be able to to accept any kind of truth or care or our government. It doesn't seem to care about what we want. Case in point. All right, and I'll quit ranting. But <laughs> case in point, no, no, no. That's this is what we're here for. The large <laughs> uh, uh, president, Uncle Joe, uh, just passed an infrastructure bill, right? Um, do you remember what he stripped out of it? Actually, all, I'm drawing a blank. All the social plans, right? Oh well, so, that, that's actually what they're fighting over now with the quote-unquote "build back better" plan. Yeah, because they can't do that. Like, what are you gonna do if if your your needs are largely taken care of and and your you you're not gonna be dependent on the government? How can you be downtrodden and dependent on the government and believe whatever we spoon feed you if you're largely happy? That can't happen. 
like uh give you an example um the uh uh paternal uh healthcare so or uh paternal whatever it is so like uh it doesn't matter which parent it is you can have time off when you have a, a child i don't know how it worked for you but when i had both my kids uh, we had to schedule it as best we could. Shannon went into labor on a Friday night, and you, you um, scheduled labor. Well, yeah, because she was late both times, so oh. we had to. We could schedule <laughs> in, inducing because um, she kind of like, she wasn't uh, two hours away from home. Going, guess what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that could have happened, but Shannon was late both times. Um, the, the, they didn't want to come out. Uh, it's it's sort of like starting them from school every day. They just don't want to get up. Uh, but we had to induce and, and all that kind of stuff. She went into labor on a Friday and we scheduled it for a Friday so that I could be with her for two days in the hospital. And then I had to go back to work. It wasn't like there was no time available for me. I couldn't help with that. Well, Luckily, I had family to help her. 17 and a half years ago, I was given a week off of work at, um, when my daughter was born and I was considered myself lucky to have it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's wildly progressive for 17 years ago, because uh, that's not what happened to me. I was a contractor at the time and you don't work. You don't get paid. There wasn't anything. And then the second time uh, the with the younger kid, um, I was a full time employee. But they're like, yeah, you can have um, whatever vacation you have, but you're going to have to burn that because we don't give that's that's for women. Men have nothing to do with the child rearing process. Well, like what? <laughs> well, here comes the thing. Going back to our comparison, one of the things that's offered in the, in the Nordic countries, especially Denmark, is a paid family medical leave in that fashion. What you have is from the government, and once again, this is something that they have paid for. It's not like I'm entitled to this. They have paid into a plan that what they allows them to do is they have a certain number of months or weeks, however it works for that particular area, to take off that the government is going to pay for. Now, what they are yeah, going to pay for is, is one or one or the other, and it doesn't have to be one or the other the whole time. What you've got is people who will, okay, to keep my job rolling and to actually be able to make sure that my job doesn't miss me. Um, I'm going to work two days a week. You'll work three days a week and then it'll flip flop next week. Right. So that you, that, so that what everybody is still, the, you know, it, but, and the worst part about it is, is it actually helps everybody. You got the parents who are actually having the ability to be parents and you have the work who the employers who are not losing out from uh, their employees work. And and they're and it and it works, you know, for for them and for what they're doing and everything. I, you know, we didn't get that. Uh, we there's like nobody has that available for us. It, well, but and see the thing is, is that it's it, and it's one of those ones that I can see from the opposite side. I disagree with from the opposite side, but I can see it from the opposite side of, um, okay, I've got as an employer, I have this work that's now not being done. And I still have to pay this person for this work that's not being done that I now have to also pay somebody else for this work that's being done just because they decided they wanted to procreate. I, yeah. As much as I may not agree with that, I can see it. Oh, yeah. No, I, but we got to deal with that. I mean, that's life. Life happens like that. That's how life works. And and I get where you know I have uh, I've worked at places where the uh, the management does not want to hire um, 
women in child rearing years. You know, they'll hire a woman who's over 40 or uh, but they don't want to hire women in their 20s and 30s because all they're going to do is bilk you for, you know, the first six months or something like that and then go on maternity leave as soon as they qualify for it. And now you're out three months plus their vacation time. They work for you for a year, but they're only actually ever there for like, I don't know, six, seven months out of that year. But and, you're still paying for it. And that was their plan. And before anybody listening to this says that that is only male employers who say that, that is actually incorrect. I have no. worked, for, yeah. worked with several female doctors who who have told me specifically that they don't like hiring female uh, physician assistants and doctors to work for them because they get them for a few months or a few weeks and then they get pregnant and go away and they still have to pay them for it. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's from a female physician, female business owner. Now, that's that's uh, so that is something that happens. And we have to deal with that uh, as a country. We need to figure out. But how can we have a dialogue about it when uh, when, and, when I arrive? When I'm worried that somebody is going to hear what I just said and lose their ever loving mind at me. <laughs> right. You can't. You can't have any kind of meaningful conversation about it because people on both sides of that issue who are extreme one side or the other will be screaming their bloody head off at it. When you go, hmm, maybe there's something we can do to work that out a little bit or mitigate the risk or or, or something, you know, so that the employer's happy and the employee gets taken care of. You know, there's there's got to be some kind of happy medium in there because there always is an answer. Because this is common enough, it happens to enough people, that there is something that you could do or something that makes sense for it. And But we can't get there. We can't get well, there because... Because we're only listening to about 20% of the population. You've got the top 20, you've got the people, the 20% on an extreme one side, and you've got the 20% on the extreme other side who are screaming back and forth at each other when you've got the, the 60% of us, excuse me, 80% of us in the middle kind of just shrugging our shoulders going, we just want to live. Yeah, well, yeah, your math doesn't quite work out because if you've got 20 on one and 20 on the other, you get 60 in the middle. But uh, but yeah, I, I meant 10 on one, 10 on the other. But yeah, I, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I, I know I what don't you're do saying. numbers very well. <laughs> but I mean, you are correct. I mean, the the essential thing is is pretty right. I mean, that's that's what they do. And I the the and I see and I look, I love picking on millennials. I do. And, Gen, and, and you know, Gen Z and, and everybody. Well, but, but, but see, it's, it's kind of like uh, it's, but it's like not that, their fault. Well, it, but it's it's kind of like that co-worker who always walks into the that's what she said. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's the same thing. You, you, you don't want to do it, but they make it too easy. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of you got to quit pitching it low and it's slow across the plate if you don't want me to swing at it, you know. Um, but still, a lot of the turmoil that the the millennials are causing and seeing and and reacting to incorrectly in some cases, but a lot of the ones that they're dealing with here are actually I don't think um, incorrect. They're just addressing them incorrectly. They're like, this is bullshit, and it is. But you you got to go a little further than that. You know, like, okay, yes, it is. What do you want to do about it? Well, fix it. Okay, how? And then the things you'll get back for them, how they plan to fix it, are like, oh, come on, man. Like, you don't just – don't piss off the boomers. They got all the money. Just, like, look, 
we got to come up with something that's going to have any kind of shot of working. All right. And free college forever and forgiving everything you've ever done is not going to do it. Okay. It's not going to happen. Well, yes, uh, they could forgive uh, college loans or predatory college loans and, and stuff like that, but they're not going to. Well, and this really is kind of coming down to the point of where this conversation is going is whether you've got all of them looking at the Nordic countries that are extraordinarily happy and saying, why can't we do that? And but unfortunately, what they're doing is coming at it from the perspective of all of the they're coming out from the perspective of the Venezuelans they are coming out the, from the perspective of the, the, the Soviet Union. They're coming out the, from this perspective of the Chinese. And, and that's the direction that they're that they're going in, because rather than looking at it and saying, how do we all pitch in and help each other? It's how can I take from you and put in, and give to me? Yeah. How do I get what I want? Because I want stuff, you know, and it's like, okay, but to get that, you are going to have to participate and give more than you're getting. And that's the real trick to it, right? Like you're going to have to support a wide swath of stuff that have nothing to do with you and make decisions on those, the good decisions on those things so that you can move forward as a collective whole and that's really not their strong suit so i i'm i'm curious as to as a country how we move forward um and maybe somebody's figured this out all that happy yeah um (laughs) because because the funny thing is that's where this conversation starts and, and what it comes back down to is why are we so damn unhappy and the answer yeah. is just because none of us can really look at the bigger picture. I think as a whole, yeah, we can't talk to each other and we can't uh, move forward because we can't we don't trust each other enough to listen. Isn't that weird? Like you would do it to your neighbor like you, you trust your neighbor and they, they tell, tell you about some bad stuff that's happening to them. And you listen and you go, wow, that sucks, man. Maybe hey, we could do this. Hey, I trusted Yepix. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a wildly differing venture on stuff than you do. Well, um, it, it, but see, and that, but that even kind of once again narrows down even what it is that we're talking about here, which is, yes, Yepix and I come from two completely different opinion sets, no question under the sun. Um, and even when he sent me the topics, I'll admit I came to them looking at them, going, "Okay, what's this bullshit going to be?" <laughs> I, that, it, it, but see, the funny thing is, is that it, I did what I am hoping that other people in this world will do, which is I sat down and read what he sent me, and found and learned things that I didn't know before. Now, I'll admit that. A lot of times we're hoping that when somebody reads something that they didn't know before, that it changes their opinions, whereas it actually reinforced mine. Um, I don't know. It changed your opinion a little bit. I mean, you look at somebody else a little differently now, and that's changing your opinion. Now, it didn't change your what your projected course of action is going to be, okay. but it did well, change it, your it, opinion it, a little bit. It, you're correct. It changed my opinion. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll even take a step further. It actually changed my opinion a lot. It didn't change my impression of where we are. Yeah, I'll get you. I, I'll I'll go with that. Um, so 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 I guess where I'm going with this is that even though Yepix and I first do not actually agree in any way, shape, or form, I am enjoying the hell out of the things that he's sending us, 
and you know trying to once again trying to what i feel like is i'm the guy in that meme sitting there with this cup of coffee with a sign that says change my opinion sure and and i'm and i'm and i'm liking that because i'm learning things that i didn't know before and I think that's what we a lot of us need is to be able to see those things from a different perspective. It may not change your opinion or it may change your opinion. It may not change where you think you are, but it gives you a different perspective to look at something. And every once in a while, it gives you the opportunity to go, you know what? I, I wasn't right about that. And I think what it takes, and this is just history talking here what it takes for people to radically change their their opinion on something is to get a critical mass together and present evidence in a impactful way so that you so that somebody else can look at something that they thought they knew enough about and realize you know what those people over there need some help and I was, I, you know, we should figure this out. That's how that stuff gets done. Well, it, it, it's also something that, you know, and it uh, that I've taken to heart that that you've said to your your child, which is, how do you change the world? Yeah, absolutely. One, one person at a time. So it, it, a lot of this is coming down to. Uh, can you talk to large groups of people that are screaming at you and change them? No, you can't. But can you talk to an individual uh, and maybe change this individual's mind or even just make them willing to listen? And then once you have that, you move on to the next individual and then you move on to the next individual. Then you move on to the next individual. Is it going to take you three or four generations? Yeah. Yep, maybe. But, maybe but, sometimes change goes faster than that, but often not. It, um, but even then, the only change I'm looking for is for people to listen. Yeah, not even to listen I, to me. Listen to each other. Yeah, and, and obviously I, I'm looking for people to listen to me. I'm recording what I'm trying to say <laughs> and throwing it out there on the internet. But at the same time, it's you know the the more people that somebody can actually listen to what somebody else has to say, and even if you come to a Dude, that's stupid. Um, you know, at least have listened to it and formed an opinion on it and a thought process rather than just kind of moving forward in ignorance. I think there's a couple of things that are true. One, and I'd say this to my daughter, and you're absolutely right, is how do you change the world? You change the world by changing the opinions of the people in it. There is no other way to do that as far as I can tell. Uh, that seems to be true no matter what generation, no matter what time, no matter what the subject. You, In order to change the world, you must change the opinion of a lasting change. You must change the opinion of the people in it. Two is I don't think that Gen X will ever, quote unquote, inherit the earth, not like the boomers did, not like the generation before them did. Um Gen X is never going to be in that power. <laughs> yeah, but the generation before the boomers actually finally died. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They had to die, you know, before the, the boomers, boomers really got their hooks going. in. You know, the boomers will just put themselves in the matrix and be like, yeah, we own cyberspace now, too. Or even like Ricky Bobby. I figure with my with my, with my uh, upward mobility and ability to pay for it that I could live to 200, 250 years old. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they just the boomers just don't plan to die. 
Okay, that's that's their plan. Their plan is just to own and control until they can't. Uh, Gen X is never going to inherit. We're going to skip. Right, was it you I was talking to the other day? They're like, we're Prince Andrew. That's yeah. that's Gen X. Um, we ain't ever going to inherit. Okay. So when we're talking about like the leader, the future leaders, it's going to be freaking millennials. All right. Because Gen X ain't inheriting shit. Okay? We don't do that. We are the redheaded stepchild of the generational hierarchy. Okay. We're never going to do anything. We're not going to amount to anything and we're not really going to inherit anything. Well, we're, we're that mathematically indistinct number that I couldn't get right in the middle going, well, whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, we are a political, financial and moral non-entity. Okay. We are a non-starter. Um, I really look well, actually, and it, financially. We're the ones paying for everything right now. Yeah, that's why we're a non-starter. Oh, okay. <laughs> the guy who gets stuck with the check is not the one who's going to lead the revolution. All right. Good that's point. not the same guy. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and that's and, not and, us. And, okay? and, and, and to even take your analogy, it's not like anybody at the table's fighting over the check. We're the ones who got left with the check. Yeah, they left the table to go argue and fight out in the parking lot. And we went, crap. How many burritos did they order? Son of a bitch. All right, fine. I guess I got enough. Hold on. <laughs> it's all the money I have, you know. Um, that's us, okay? I am really looking, and I know this is going to sound funny. I am looking at the millennials and Gen Z. Like, I'm hoping that one day they'll be able to to fix the wrongs that have been done to them. And that's really what's happened. They, they have – they are starting – so far behind, more than any generation alive today, they are, or in the last hundred years maybe, as a generation, and I'm not talking about civil rights, let's not get into that, but I'm talking about as a civilization, as a generation, they have more uphill to overcome right now, uh, both on the, the political system and the way to overcome as any generation before them. But, and uh, here's my question for you, though, and it's, it's a lot of the question I always tend to come down to is because you're I'm hoping that your answer is different than mine because you tend to be a bit more optimistic than I am. Do you think it's doable? Oh, yeah, no, it's doable. I'm worried about the method in which it's doable because I can think of several scenarios. Well, I, to to you. To use an analogy, I, I, I picture the millennials as the kids sitting on the side of the road saying it's too far to walk. So I'm just going to wait and hope that somebody gets me with a car or even better yet, I'm going to carjack somebody else so that I don't have to walk versus saying I still have to get from here to there. Let's start moving. You know, the, that was the a analogy really complicated that I... analogy that just didn't seem to work as well in my head. It worked better in my head than it did when I spoke it. <laughs> the analogy that I always had is we're all sitting there on a uh, just kind of sitting back having a cigarette. All of us are smoking like the boomers, the millennials, Gen Z, Gen X. We're all there just having a, a cigarette. Gen, Gen X is all gothed out because, you know, that's us with skateboard. Uh, the boomers crew cut long sleeve shirt in a suit because that's the boomers. Millennials got like a rainbow tank top on, you know, something. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Man, buddy. And then Gen Z, you're lucky if they're wearing clothes. Um, 
you know, and there's no telling. But we're all sitting there just going to drag it on a cigarette, watching somebody get the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> now, the boomers aren't going to do anything because they've arranged the fight. Right? They've paid for it. They're profiting from it in every single way. They back the loser. They back the winner. They back the spectators. They back the hot dog guy who's wandering around selling people food. They are 100% invested in the fight. Gen X will go, crap. Somebody should do something about that. That's our big thing. <laughs> we'll go, this is wrong. That's bad. Is anybody else seeing this? Okay, that's that's Gen X's has has it has been since the nineties. It's like, wow, that's messed up. And we don't do anything. I'm hoping, this is my hope, that Gen X or Gen or uh, Gen Z or the Millennials will go, oh, mother fine, take a final drag on the cigarette, throw it on the ground, stomp it out, and go stop the fight. I am hoping one of those two generations will do that. Well, because I know it's not us. Actually, unfortunately, the way, and once again, being the pessimistic person and to run with your analogy, um, I'm the one who pictures in this analogy that the millennials and the Gen Xers are going to say, motherfucker, throw this thing down, walk past the fight and punch out the boomer. <laughs> and if that stops the fight, that's one of my, and see, and that's what I think is one of the scenarios is they see right through it and go, oh, you know, sort of like, uh, again, I'm going to use an analogy, sort of like in the Star Trek Next Generation episodes where they had the exocomps and the exocomps saw right through the test and just went and fixed the test because it, it didn't, it, it wouldn't do the test. It was just like, yeah, I'm not that dumb. I'm just going to go fix the actual problem. Um, that may be the solution that they come to. It's like, okay, yeah, see, they're oppressing us, and we're going to fix it. No, no, uh, no. <laughs> Not that way. We're going to fix it, fix it. Uh, okay, people, you you heard it here first. Sean has just said that they're just going to euthanize the boomers. <laughs> no, what they'll do is they'll just make... Um, Old age homes? No, I think, I think it'll be more like um, Fight Club. They'll just tear down the institutions in which they hold down, you know, in which they value things. So like credit institutions, banks, money, all of it. They'll just say, ah, okay, well, if this is the platform you're using to oppress us, we'll just remove money from the equation and, you know, fix it. Uh, because that's a very millennial thing to do. <laughs> Uh, they'll, they'll go right to your, I mean, Gen X is way too laid back about that kind of stuff. We're, we're the nihilist, the nihilist generation. Uh, millennials will go straight for the jugular. Honestly, they're once, I think once they grow up enough to really understand what's happening to them, they will be unbelievably dangerous politically and financially. They're bigger than Gen X. They're bigger than the boomers. Um, I think uh, as far as numbers go, I think what scares me, though, as part of Gen X is that we're just going to get lumped in with the boomers and flush down the toilet. I, I don't I, I mean, no, somebody's still got to pay for the holy war. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be us. <laughs> you misunderstand. OK, we're going to get screwed no matter who wins. All right. <laughs> Let's 
What I'm curious about is, is money going to do it or is righteousness going to, to pop its head up? Because I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're financing the war, okay? We're going to get screwed no matter who wins. It's it's does money win or does morality win? And, uh, it's a tough call right now. I don't know. I don't know if the if millennials have it in them to do it. I really don't. I, I, I hope they do. I just don't know if they're there yet. Well, so that kind of uh, ends part one of this, which is... Yeah, um, you're going to get another part of this. <laughs> yes. Well, the part one of this is is why the Nordic countries are happy and we're not. Um, and we're not. So take that as you will. Um, and we'll be back next week with part two. <laughs>